0: Hi there, my name is Michael Harris. Welcome to Falling Up Radio. I'm the host for your show today. And this is really a place where you wanna come to listen to raw, edgy, frank conversations about crushing your fears and learning to be unstoppable in your life. And on that note, our guest today is just totally the master of all of this. First, I I wanna mention a couple of things. Um, my book, Falling Down, Getting Up. You can see it here if you're watching the video or if you're listening to iTunes or Stitcher, or one of those other places. You can get it at fallingupradio.com. Download your, your free book. And then the, the other book is The Expert Success Solutions. I'm one of 22 contributing authors with that. That was a, a number one book as well. And I want to mention my, my cap I just love these caps. He's falling up radio. And um, our guest doesn't know it, but I, I hope he likes caps because I'm going to give one to him when I see him in, in a couple of weeks. So um, with that said, let's get right to our guest because I want to give him as much time as possible uh, for our show today and for all of us to, to learn from, from what this man has brought to the world. Our guest today is none other than mister Les Brown. Les Brown is world renowned motivational speaker, keynote speaker, trainer, speaker, trainer. He just he, his energies are out there to, to transform. The world, one person at a time, one talk at a time, one speech at a time, one podcast at a time, whatever it is. And he just, he's so loving. He speaks from the heart and he just really puts it out there. He's, he's considered by Toastmasters, one of the five top speakers in the world, you know, and, and I jokingly tell my friends that, well, who's Les Brown? And I said, well, I'm pretty sure that when Tony Robbins gets bummed out, he probably picks up the phone and calls less, okay? <laughs> and so, so th- this man is – I'm just so excited um, that he's here. The other thing I wanted to mention is, is I got this book, Unlock Your Greatness. I've got a couple of tags here because there may be a couple of things I want to refer to in the book, but this is a remarkable little book that I've read, and I hope you can get it too. So Les I don't I want to stop talking and bring you on right now. So welcome to Falling Up Radio.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure and, and congratulations for this show and, and the difference that you're making in people's lives because now people need hope and this show is designed to do that, where there's hope in the future that gives you power in the present. And okay. you're helping people through your work, through your books, through your seminars. You have you've created a platform that's transforming the planet. So Congratulations! My hat goes out to you.
0: Well, thank you, Les, and my hat's going to go out to you too. Like I mentioned a few minutes ago.
1: Oh yes. Let me have some less Les, fan, please, for my hot flashes, please. Okay. Yes, I have. You know, I I I've received hot. I have hot flashes. I used to laugh at my mother and my sister for having hot flashes. I call them power surges. You know.
0: Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, it, that's great. It's a part of, a part of my, my treatment with, with cancer. I've been, I've been dealing with and addressing four-stage cancer for some time. i never forget my oncologist. Get me the electric fan, please. I, I remember saying to my oncologist, I, I said, man, can you give me a second opinion after he told me I had cancer? And he said, yes, and you're ugly, too. <laughs> <laughs> Albert Goldstein had such a great sense of humor, yeah. but but one of the things that I learned is that that things can happen to you and things can happen for you, and yeah. obviously it is just a spiritual experience. It's always easier to be able to have faith and and have fun and excite, excitement in life when you don't have any challenges. But when when Doctor misery knocks on the door, unforeseen things happen to you, that's when you really need to have faith. And a lot of people panic, but we're stronger than we give ourselves credit for being. So I'm excited for being here with you and having this time together.
0: Thank you. And one of the things I really have admired about you is, I don't know if you recall this, but four or five years ago, we were on a mastermind call that Gail and Stephanie Hartman and uh, Tommy Baylor was on the call and I was on the call and there was six or eight of us on on this mastermind call with you. And um, you were calling in from the hospital. You, you were like with the doctor and they were doing some tests and it was just like, you were so alive and energetic regardless of that challenge you were facing at the moment. So I just, I mean, it's deep, deep, deep admiration for you.
1: Oh, thank you so very much, yeah. We have to always define ourselves and don't allow ourselves to give in to our circumstances all the adverse things that we might be going through. Yeah. We can surrender, or we can decide that I'm more than a conqueror and yeah. deal with it,
0: yes. Yeah. Well, and I'll just mention this briefly on, on that note, because I, I want to get to um, a couple of things with, with you. But, you know, when, when I wrote my book, Falling Down, Getting Up, part of it was I, as a child, I was in a water skiing accident and had a huge part of my liver removed and, and all these different problems. And when I was talking to people that were around at that time, I said, well, what do you remember? And they said, I Remember that you always had a smile on your face, regardless of how sick you were. And so, I mean, it it is important to keep that smile and allow those things to go by because they're just storm clouds and they can go by.
1: Yes, they don't come to stay. There's a quote I love that in life, you'll always be faced with a series of God-ordained opportunities brilliantly disguised as problems and challenges. Yeah. I believe that things that happen to us, I call them character building experiences that that we have the, the ability to grow through it or to go through it. And the choice is ours. Choose ye this day whom ye shall serve. So when things happen to me, I'm looking for the lesson on the other side of it and to see what is it I, I didn't know and what is it I need to learn from this yes. so that I'm not repeating that lesson over and over and over again.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's get into something. I know, and hearing you frequently and reading your, your books and, and all this, I know that mentorship has always been really important to you. And you had a mentor at one time Um, his name was Jack Bolin. Yes. And I know that that you were in, in a conversation with him about wanting to talk to Dr. Norman Vincent Peale and Zig Ziglar about being on stage with him. And he told you something. And I remember when I found this little nugget, it was just like the seed, the crux of so much of what we can realize in your life and, I would like to hear you tell, you know, the listeners and myself more about what happened with that.
1: Well, you know, Jack and I had a variety of conversations. Uh, he was an extraordinary individual. He was the pastor of the Church of Today in Warren, Michigan, right outside Detroit, Michigan, and he was a mentor to me and Mary Marcy and and and, and Wayne Dyer and and when I was talking to him about that. What, there, there are several things that he said, but I, there was something I remembered the other night that that really grabbed me that he said when he was talking about the fact that, less, you know, when you look at yourself and look at what you want to do, you've got to always have a game plan to always bring value to the table, to increase your value. And what is it about you as you develop yourself? If you look at your goals that you don't get in life what you want, you get in life what you are. And 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 what brought me to that place was that the fact here I am starting off my 75th year. I'm starting a new chapter. And he said, everything you grow through creates a new chapter in your life. And and one of the things that I love, you know, they said new levels, new devils. <laughs> <laughs> that you got some new stuff to go through new stuff to deal with. Forrest Gump was right when he said life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And what I realized was Michael the biggest thing that I had to do over and over and over again what he was talking to me about is get out of my own way. Yeah. That that these negative thoughts that that we have Inside of us, that's been instilled through experiences, through the things we see, through our circumstances, that they're like weeds. When you read the book, James Allen, As a Man Thinking, that these negative thoughts, they don't die. You can overpower them, but the moment, the moment you stop working on yourself, the moment you stop reading, the moment you stop listening to positive messages, the moment you stop your ritual to keep you above and beyond those negative thoughts that you will drop back and they will come back with a vengeance. And so we have to have a maintenance program for ourselves so that we can stay on top of our game. Seek ye first the kingdom. And where's the kingdom? The kingdom is within you and the kingdom in us, that kingdom of potential, of greatness, it's voice activated. So we have to monitor our conversations with ourselves and the conversations outside of ourselves to release what Elizabeth Browning called the imprisoned splendor. Yeah,
0: I I like that term that you just used, that voice activated, because it is, it's so powerful. And I hadn't heard quite put that way before in that way. And I love the way, like I said, you just said that.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah, and talking about Jack again a a little bit more, my understanding of, of that conversation when that happened back then is you were talking about speaking on stage with uh, Dr. Peel and Zig Ziglar, but Jack gave you another idea, planted a different seed. Is that right? About the Georgia dome?
1: Yes. He planted a seed about speaking at the Georgia dome and, and speaking on a larger platform. And at the time I, I couldn't see that being in my future. And I think that there's a, scripture that I love, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor is it in the heart of mankind what God has in store for you. And when he planted that seed, I I realized something to this day. Because you can't see something at the time that it's spoken into your heart does not mean that you can't do it. That, That what's most important is that we hold the vision already achieve in our mind, live out of our imagination as opposed to our history. And the things that we desire as we grow and as we develop, that those things, the people, the resources, the experiences, everything that we envision will become a part of our experience. And what's most important is commit thy works. And that's very important. That's one word that that really bothered me that you never hear when you see the movie uh, called The Secret. They never talk about work. Commit by works, that's internal work and external work. Work, W, let's break it up. The willingness to do what is required, that's the W. O. Oh, optimistic in spite of the circumstances, setbacks, and, and adversities we will encounter. Uh, reinvent yourself. In order to accomplish the goals that you want to accomplish, you've got to die to who you are now to give birth to who you are to become. And K is kindred spirits. You have to surround yourself with collaborative, achievement-driven, supportive relationships that, that you, you have to have a, a team of people who have skills and abilities they bring to the table that you don't have. And commit thy works. S stands for service. The greatest among you will be your servant, and and find a way that you can bring your service, your expertise, your knowledge. Knowledge is a new currency to the marketplace, so that you can make a greater impact and build a legacy. Does that make sense?
0: It absolutely makes sense. And um, when when you when I heard you talk about holding that vision, I didn't hear you say anything about money or time. And I think that that's one of the things that I know for me at different times has been a hindrance. Well, I need this money first. I, I need to do it in, you know, in three years or five years or whatever that time is. But as I understand what you're saying is that when we hold that vision, the time and the money are meaningless. Those things happen automatically when you have the, the, the vision. Is that what I hear?
1: Without any question, and, and the reason that the money and the time is not important when you first start out Mm -hmm. is because all achievements happen twice. They happen first in the mind and then in the without. Mm -hmm. When Walt Disney opened one of his theme parks, one of his staff members said, boy, it would have been great if Walt had been here to see this. And one of the other staff members said, because he saw it, that's why we are here to see it now. Yeah, and, and so it, that that, that accomplishment—it happened twice. He he saw it in his mind eye, his mind's eye. He envisioned it, and then he went about the, the business. He made the commitment, of living from another place of power. I think that 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 as we look at our goals and dreams, one of the things that I believe that's very important that we must believe until we know see that that when when you think about a nelson mandela the only reason that he would give up 26 years of his life to break the back of apartheid is because he knew that eventually that he was going to win that battle the only reason that a dr martin luther king put his life on the line, and knew at some point an assassin would take him out. The reason that he's willing to make that sacrifice is because he knew in his heart of hearts that eventually that people of color in this country will transform from living the American nightmare to live the American dream. And so there, that as we work on ourselves and, and as we look into the future, and that's why the work that you're doing, Michael, is so important because we've been programmed every day to think small. And you, you cannot fit a big dream into a small life that you have to continuously be exposed to messages that expand your vision of yourself beyond your mental conditioning and beyond your circumstances, and be reminded over and over and over again, that's why it's been said that faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing, that through, through repetition, that through exposure to different experiences, that it reminds us of the truth of who we are, and that truth will set us free from living a life of mediocrity. That truth will set us free from allowing ourselves to be stopped and, and, and to be denied and, and giving up on our dreams because of setbacks. Willie Jolly, one of my mentees, said a setback is a setup for a comeback power. And the truth of who we are reminds us that each of us have comeback power. I have a saying that if life's knocked you down, try and land on your back because if you can look up, you can get up.
0: Yeah, I, I, I love that. You know, I, I love hearing you say that. Every time I hear it, that, that's so wonderful. Um, I want to go to growing up. I know you had an experience where you were asked to come up and write something on the board as a child, and you you didn't want to do that.
1: Yes, it was. It was. It was like. By... A junior year in high school, and, and Mr. Washington, he was a, a speech and drama teacher, and I went in his room looking for another student, and he wanted me to write something up there to illustrate what the possibilities were and how we can fine-tune a, a, a script that the students were working on. And I said, sir, I, I, I'm not one of your students. He said, it doesn't matter. Just follow my directions anyhow. And I said, sir, I can't do that. And he said, why not? I said, I'm not one of your students. And so the other students started laughing. And and they said, he's Leslie. I have a twin brother. And he said, so? He's DT. His brother Wesley is smart, but he's DT. And he said, what does DT stand for? And they said, he's the dumb twin. And they erupted in laughter. And I said, I am, sir. And he came from behind his desk. And he had a personality similar to yours, Michael. And he looked at me and he said, don't you ever say that again. Someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. And that was a turning point in my life. On one hand, I was humiliated. But on the other hand, I was liberated because he looked at me with the eyes of Goethe, who said, look at a man the way that he is. He only becomes worse. But look at him as if he were what he could be. Then he becomes what he should be. And I developed a relationship with him. And and he was a, a really a major transformative factor in my life. Because there are three takeaways I got from him. One, continuously working on your mind. Because you don't get in life what you want. You get in life what you are. Two upgrade your relationships, practice the principle of OQP, only quality people, people rub off on you. Mm-hmm. And three, he said, young man, develop your communication skills because once you open your mouth, you tell the world who you are. And and when I think about the fact that when I was in the fifth grade, I was labeled educable, mentally retarded and put back from the fifth grade to the fourth grade, and I failed again when I was in the eighth grade. And when he spoke those words to me and how he looked at me, Michael, how he held me in, in, in his gaze, it, it helped me to begin to see that what people said about me and how they tarned me and bullied me mm-hmm. and what they called me was not what I had to answer to. And their vision of me had nothing to do with me, what they thought about me was none of my spiritual business. What was important that I learned from him is what I thought about me, and that 's what I had to keep in the forefront of my mind and affirm myself and believe in myself
0: yeah, and i, I again I, I love that, and you know as as a child after, after my accident. Um, I was 12 years old, and I I had a lot of people starting to point their fingers at me and saying things that were um, unkind, I'll I'll say, that they were unkind at the time. And um, I didn't understand much of what you just said at at that time, and I took it in. And it took me a while to get it back out and begin to develop my own opinion of myself rather than listening to other people's opinions.
1: Yeah, and just imagine being in a culture where you have the complexion of rejection, mm-hmm. and everything around you is designed at all levels, in your education, and the governmental systems and policies are just designed to humiliate you mm-hmm. and destroy your sense of self. I, I remember. The first time I went downtown with my mother in downtown Miami, I, I was born in an abandoned building on a floor in a poor section of Miami floor called Liberty City. And with my twin brother, and we were taken in as foster kids. We became one of seven children that she took in as foster children. And and my mother took me downtown. She she would take terms doing that. And I remember it was like 85 degrees. And I let go of her hand and I ran and started drinking from a water fountain. And Mama grabbed me and she sort of snatched me and threw me to the ground and said, don't you ever do that again. And, and, and started beating me like a man, like she didn't know me. And I'm saying, Mama, it's me. Hit me in the face, my eye, my mouth. And, and then a, a white police officer came over and said, OK, all right you can stop beating that little nigger boy now. He's Mm. learned his lesson. And he walked away beating his hand, his left hand with the billy club he had. He said, I won't have to beat him now. Mm. And when he walked away laughing, my mother just broke down and started crying with me as she picked me up off the ground and said, Leslie, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Don't ever do that again. You cannot drank from that water fountain. Look, you see that sign? I said, yes, ma'am, mama. She said, it says, for whites only. When You see that sign? You can't do that. You have to go to the water fountain that says, for coloreds only. And I said, why, mama? She said, that's just the way it is. And so all of the things that I experienced as a child, and things that I saw going on Miami Beach to work with her and they had signs, Jews, dogs, and colors not allowed, that being in that kind of environment, it, it's, it stirred something in me that, no, I, I'm not going to allow what I'm going through to define me. Because what they were saying, I had nothing to do with what color I am. But they were saying I was inferior, that I wasn't worthy to drink from the same water fountain as them or to sit at the front of the bus, that I have to have a place of inferiority. And so when you were brought up in a country that at some point that considered you three-fourth human, that kind of mindset passed on generation after generation after generation, that there's a saying that I strongly believe in and adhere to today, that life is a fight for territory. And once you stop fighting for what you want, what you don't want will automatically take over. And that's that's for peace of mind. That's for improving your relationship. That's for overcoming the roadblocks that you will have invariably thrown in your path for the goals and dreams that you want to achieve that, that you have to put up a good fight or you can surrender. And to me, surrendering is not an option to me. It's about fight till the death.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I like to say, never give up, but always surrender. And when I, I talk about surrendering to, you know, the powers to be, to, to God, higher power, universe, what, whatever you want to call it. And with that power, there's no need to ever give up.
1: Absolutely. Well, I, I love the, the, the whole concept of surrendering, that in order to achieve the things that you want to achieve in your life, you must surrender to who you are now to give birth to who you must become. Einstein said it another way. He said, the thinking that has brought me this far has created some problems that this thinking can't solve. I've got to surrender to this thinking that that I have come to, this, this peak that it has brought me. I, I have now gone as far as I can go with this level of thinking, this level of consciousness now I need to begin to to let that go, to surrender to that and to be open and surrender myself to a higher level of consciousness, to soar to new heights.
0: Yeah. It sounds like that's like even going back to Jack Boland again, is in some ways he was saying that because a couple of, of months or somewhere in there, I don't know the exact time, is your friend Dexter Yeager called you up and said, come speak in the Georgia Dome in front of 80,000 people, but you were only able to vision being on that stage with them rather than being in front of 80,000 people in a stadium. So just letting go of that old way of thinking.
1: Yes. Well, uh, you know, they had to come get me out of the restroom. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was so frightened because I made a mistake and peeked out at the crowd in the Georgia Dome, which no longer exists. And I saw 80,000 people. I said, oh, my God. So they had to go get my mentor, Mike Williams, to come and convince me to come out of the restroom. And he said, Brownie? And I said, yes. He says, come out. The band is stalling. They're, they're ready to introduce you. I said, Mike, I can't hear the voices. <laughs> He said, you're you're scared, aren't you? I said, yes, I I can't hear the voices. He said, listen. He said, are you listening to me? I said, yes. He said, they came to see you. You didn't come to see them. He said, when you get on stage and they hand you the mic, you will be inspired. He said, go on that stage and make your mother proud. You were born to do this. Yeah. And I thought, oh, Mike, don't use my mother on me. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so I came out, and I asked them to pray for me. And, and Michael, I don't remember giving the speech. I, the title is, and the people listening, you can go on YouTube. It's called, It's Not Over <laughs> Until You Win. And Les Brown in the Georgia Dome. It's not over till you win. All I remember, Michael, when they gave me the microphone, I don't remember anything else. But when I look at it, I look at it as a viewer, and I say, wow. All of us, I believe, have experiences where we see ourselves and we say to ourselves, I can't believe I'm doing this. And that's why when I look at it, I said, I can't believe I did that because (laughs) I was scared out of my wits.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, it it doesn't show because I've watched that uh, video a number of times with with you on stage. And it's one of the the most inspirational things I've, I've ever heard. So if you're listening to this, out there go do go where les said and and i'll put it on on um the pod the episode page on following up radio too i'll put a link there for people to go see it because it is and i know i've been bummed out at 11 12 o'clock at night and i'll pull out my laptop in bed and i'll turn that on and it will change my feelings so i mean it it's so inspirational less it's just so powerful what you did
1: thank you you know what we do, the work that we do, and the work that you're involved in, and I'm so excited about being in alignment with you as a messenger of hope because when there's power, the hope in the future that gives you power in the present, that I train speakers now. I've been doing this for over five decades. And, and, and what I do and, and what I encourage those who are listening who are interested in becoming life coaches or speakers or trainers that what we do, and and your program is, is really a great example. When people listen to you because of your voice, because of your personality, because of your energy signature, you create an experience when people hear your show that distract, dispute, and inspire. How people live their lives as a result of the story they believe about themselves. So when they tune in to you, you distract them from their story. And through the course of your presentation with your guests or your conversation or your books, you dismantle their current belief system and inspire them to create a new chapter in their lives. And I believe that all of us were created on purpose, with a purpose for the purpose to enhance and to empower each other to make this world a better place than how it is.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I love that. And, um, you know, we, we, we got a little bit more time left, but I'm, I'm also kind of watching that at the clock. One of the things that I would love to hear you tell the listeners a little bit about is your, your vision uh, when you were younger to be a DJ and how that unfolded and, and what happened.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I, I Well, let me give you the Reader's Digest version. Yeah, perfect. I read the radio station repeatedly, and, and they told me no. And so one of the things that Mr. Washington said, he said, make no your vitamin. He said, most people have to say no seven times before they say yes. Well, seven is my lucky number. I'm one of seven children. And I was born February the seventeenth. So I, I went back again, and 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 finally, uh, the gentleman said, "What do you want?" I said, "Sir, I want to become a disc jockey." He said, "Do you have any experience in broadcasting?" I said, "No, sir, I don't." He said, "You have any any area of expertise?" Back the next day. Hello, sir. My name is Les Brown. I like to become a disc jockey. He said, weren't you here yesterday? I said, yes, sir. Didn't I tell you no yesterday? I said, yes, sir. Then why are you back today? Sir, I didn't know whether or not somebody was laid off or somebody was fired. He says, nobody was laid off or fired. I said, get on out of here. I came back the next day talking loud, looking happy, like I was singing for the first time. I said, hello, sir. I'd like to become a disc jockey. My name is Les Brown. I know what your name is. Weren't you here the last two days? I said, yes, sir. Didn't I tell you no the last two days? I said, yes, sir. Then why are you back today? I said, sir, I I didn't know whether or not someone got sick or someone died, sir. (laughs) He said, no one got sick or died. No one was laid off a fire. Now don't you come back here again. I came back the next day talking loud, looking happy like I was singing for the first time. I said, hello, Mr. Vutterball, how are you? And he looked at me with rage. He says, go get me some coffee. I said, yes, sir. (laughs) And so I became the errand boy for the disc jockeys. I tell people, you want to be successful, provide more service than you get paid for. And I'd go get their lunch and their dinner, and I'd stand in the control room, watching them work their hands on the control board, knowing my time would come. And then one day on the weekend, they came out to the parking lot, and their cars were waxed and clean inside out. And they said, hey, who did this? I said, I did, sir. I said, what are what you judge, young boy? I said, nothing, sir. I just wanted to hop out. And they said, here, here are my car keys. Donna Ross and Supremes are coming to town. The four tops and the temptations. I'll pick them up and, and take them to the Fountain Blue Hotel, I said, it'd be my pleasure, sir. And I was driving the disc jockey's big, long Cadillacs. I, I didn't have any driver's license, but I was driving like I had so. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day, it was a Saturday afternoon, a disc jockey by the name of Rock and Roger was drinking while he was on the air, and he got so drunk he could not complete the show. And there I was, a Saturday afternoon, the only one there, walking back and forth, looking at him through the the broadcast window saying, drink, rock, drink. (laughs) I said, I'd have gone to get him some more if he would asked me to. And pretty soon the phone rang, and it was the general manager. And he said, hello? I said, hello, how are you? He said, young boy, this is Mr. Klein. I said, I know. He said, rock can't finish his program. I said, I know. He said, would you call one of the other DJs in? I said, yes, sir. I hung the phone up. I said, now, nah, he must be think I'm crazy. I called my mama and my girlfriend, Cassandra. I said, y'all come out on the front porch and turn on the radio. I'm about to come on the air. <laughs> and so I waited for about 20 minutes. I called him back. I said, Mr. Klein, I can't find nobody. He said, young boy, you know how to work your controls? I said, yes, sir. He said, go on there and segue the records. But don't you say nothing here. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> so, I hung the phone up, I got Rockin' Roger out of the way. He he sat down in a chair in in the studio, and I came on the air. I said, look out, this is me, LB Triple P. Les Brown, your platter playing papa. There were none before me, and there will be none after me. Therefore, that makes me the one and only. Young and single, and love to mingle, certified, bonafide, and dublably qualified to bring you satisfaction and a whole lot of action. Look out, baby, I'm your love man. I was hungry. (laughs) And so I teach people when I do workshops and seminars or speeches, if you want to be successful, you've got to be hungry. People that are hungry are willing to do the things today others won't do in order to have the things tomorrow others won't have. People that are hungry believe always strive to get on top in life because it's the bottom that's overcrowded. Immigrants come to our country and they have a four to five-time greater chance of owning their own business or creating wealth because they hit the ground running because they are hungry.
0: Yeah. And sometimes literally hungry. Yes. Not just, not just emotionally or, or or something, but it's just like literally hungry.
1: Absolutely. Yes. There's no question about that.
0: Now, and, now, now you've got right now, you're, you're on you got to be hungry tour. The, your global tour, how many yeah. cities are you going to? Tell, tell me about why you're doing that. And I know you're coming right here to Band, Oregon, too, in just a couple of weeks.
1: I'm going to do seven cities and then I'm going to call it a wrap. That's yeah. enough. You learn, you earn, you pass it on. Yeah. I'm 75 and I, I, I'm excited about doing these cities mm-hmm. because now, you know, I'm a, I'm a grandfather. And I'm a great-grandfather. I have 15 grandchildren and four great-grandsons. And so I'm excited. I have speakers that I've trained that are going to be with me. And our goal is to come to Ben and help people to live their dreams, teach them how they can use their talents, abilities, skills, their story to create a new future for themselves and for their families and how to build a legacy and how to create wealth. I'm really excited about doing it. I'm hungry to come, Oregon. Yes, I am. I'm going to be eating hot pepper on a fork till I get there.
0: There you go. I, I, I like that. Yeah. And for those that are listening, again, depending upon when you're listening, Wednesday, April 24th, Les Brown will be right here in Bend, Oregon, at the Tower Theater. That's April 24th. 2019 you could be listening this couple years uh, down the road but if you can get here it doesn't matter where you are you've got to come listen and like I said Les is going to be here uh somebody named Celeste Johnson is going to be here and she's going to be singing Uh, Kareem Ellis Kareem Ellis is going to be here as well as a number of other speakers and including myself again Les I'm truly honored to have been invited to be on stage with you. And um, too bad the Georgia Dome is torn down, because maybe we could have gone
1: there next. I don't know. know. (laughs) No. Well, we're going to heat Ben Oregon up. I tell you this, we're going to come. We're going to bring the heat and the power with us that transform people's lives. People are going to have a great experience. And our goal is to introduce them to a part of themselves that they can never discover by themselves and remind them that they have greatness in them. When you know that you have greatness in you, you have goals and dreams. And as you pursue them, you know you don't know what your limits are, so you act like you don't have any.
0: I, I, I like that. And that's this book, again, Unlock Your Greatness, again, there's a couple of my, my tags in there um is this available somewhere online or or do they just get it when they when they come on tour with you
1: two? when they come and come to the to this to the event we will have it available for them and one other book as well that's yeah. the one i'm completing now called you've got to be hungry
0: i i like that.
1: your greatness yes
0: so as we come to the end of the show is is there anything additional that you want the listeners to know or do you want to talk about the three P's or maybe some type of ideas that, that they can use um, starting right now today that they can maybe use in their life to unlock their greatness
1: yes there's, there's a quote that really drives me by Leo Tostoy. He he was a Russian author he said when the end comes to you. He said, as you think about your life, as you face inevitable death, what in the meaning and purpose of your life that will not be undone or destroyed when you're gone? And, and to me, the, that we were created on purpose with a purpose for a purpose that will live on after we are gone. We were chosen for this work. We were chosen one out of 400 million sperm. You have something special. You have greatness in you. You are a masterpiece because you're a piece of the master. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I I like it, yeah. (laughs)
0: Les, it's, it's been really great to have you here. Again, I'm, I'm honored not only to have you on the show, but to be on, on uh, stage with you in, in a couple of weeks. And I've, I really feel blessed o- over the years that you've been there at, at times that you don't even know. Again, we're 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, maybe a little bummed out. or turn on a, a Les Brown YouTube video. And, you know, it's just like, it just changes everything and um, God has truly blessed you and blessed all of us for your your presence and everything that you've done for so many people. So again, thank you and I'm, I'm honored to have had you on our show today.
1: And I'm honored to be here and I wanna thank you. You have no idea this interview that I'm having with you gave me the courage to honor something in myself that I've been putting off. Mm. And the words came out of my mouth. It's time. It's time for me to pass the baton to others Mm. and to be in one place to take care of my health, to be a a father, a a grandfather, and great-grandfather. And I love what I do so much, so much. But it's time for others. It's been a good ride. I thank you for who you are and the impact that you've had on my life and for the love that you have and the vision that you have to help others to live their dreams rather than their fears. God bless the day you were born. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it, Michael.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Les. Hold on just for a moment uh, as you wrap things up again unlock your greatness, come on tour, fly into Bend, Oregon, the price of of your plane ticket, you'll get a free copy of this or perhaps maybe a a few dollars, but it'll be worth every moment of of coming in. And, you know, I share this episode with other people. Tell other people you heard Les Brown on Falling Up Radio and invite them to hear this, invite them to see this episode online and at fallingupradio.com and to, to listen to uh, Les's vision and v- less' dream and what he's going to talk about and everything that we learned on the show again we don't have enough time today to go through through all, all the lessons but remember that vision is so important and that vision is more important than time or money or anything else is to hold that vision within. And know that it will manifest in in God's time. And it it may not be as quick or as slow as you think. You may think it's a five-year vision and it happens in 10 months. You don't know. But hold that vision in your life and it will really help you as well to unlock your greatness. So again, Les, thank you. I I think this is a story that we should both stick with right now. And... um, you know, wave off to the, the the listeners and uh, yeah. see you in Bend, Oregon, or any city on the You Gotta Be Hungry tour. Come and see us, Brown. So thank you, Les.
1: Thank you, my brother. God bless you.